All right, so um, I was praying today, and I was like, God, like, actually, I've been praying like the past two weeks, and I've been like, God, what do you want to say at JG? Because, like, this is, this is the place to be. So I, I didn't want to, like, come in and, like, like, give, like, a little word. Like, I wanted to come in and, like, bring a word, you know? Like, is anybody ready to receive a word tonight? Like, anybody ready? All right, cool. Good. Because um, I was praying, and, like, I got nothing for, like, two weeks. And then, like, today I was like, all right, God, you got to show up right now because it's tonight. It's tonight, all right? So, like, we need something right now, right meow. Um, and so um, I just want to talk to you guys about guilt and shame. Everybody say guilt and shame. And so tonight's message is called, drum roll, remind. All right. Um, Guilt and shame is like, I think it's something that everyone has ever, like everyone has felt guilty at one point in their life. Um, like, I know, like, some of us, like, I've been trying to work out more, and so I've been trying to, like, go to the gym every day, and when, when we, me and my brother, we've been working out together for, what, like, like three months now, something like that? It's a while. Um, and so um, we missed today, and today I felt guilty. Like, I had that, like, I don't know about you, but, like, whenever you miss something, or, like, have you ever had a friend, like, a friend invite you to something, and then you double book something, and you're like, oh, I want to go, but I have this basketball game tonight, and I can't go. And then you have that, like, yick inside. You're like, I'm the worst friend. I'm the worst friend. Everyone should unfriend me on Facebook and on Instagram. I'm the worst person. No one's going to want to be do anything with me because I'm the worst. I'm so like, guilty. Like, I feel so guilty. Um, but then we have these other types of guilt that are much more serious, and they're much deeper rooted. It's that guilt that whenever you step into worship at JG or you step into church and the music's going and then you're like, oh, I'm going to get into this and I'm going to lift my, and then as soon as you lift your hands up, then you have that voice in the back of your head that says, what are you doing? I know who you are. You know who you are. Why should you be lifting your hands? Or, that, or whenever you're like, Oh my gosh, I need to say, I need to pray for my friend because my friend's going through a hard time and I really, no one else is going to pray for them if I don't pray for them. And so maybe I should just pray for them. And then as soon as that thought comes to your mind, an even greater thought like shouts at you and says, don't you pray for them because I know what you did. I know who you are. I know who you really are. Because even though you might feel these God feelings inside of you, there is something deeper inside of you that screams back at us to say, don't you dare do that. Because if you did, God wouldn't even be pleased with what you did because he knows who you really are. And it just throws back in your face every mistake you've ever made and every fault that you have inside of you that just screams at you and says you're unworthy and you're not good enough and you should never pray. You should never lift your hands. You should never pursue Jesus. But it's not that we're not in a relationship with God because the people oftentimes that have the most guilt are oftentimes the people who want to pursue a relationship with God the most. Because I know whenever I want to start really pursuing God, when I'm like, all right, God, it's time for a fast. It's time to start doing something right. It's time to start making a change. And I really want to start going harder after God. It's those voices in the back of my mind that remind me of my mistakes and of my failures 
that scream at me. And I'm a pastor. And of course, pastors can never feel guilty, right? Pastors have never made mistakes, right? Wrong. Man, I have so many mistakes that I'm not proud of. I have so many things that I am so thankful that God has forgiven me from. But I don't know about you, but it's the, so much like the enemy to just have a reminder of who you used to be. That reminding. And so today, if you're going to take notes, and if you're not taking notes, you should pull out your phone right now, open your little notes app, and start taking some notes, all right? Because if you don't take notes today, I'm judging you, all right? So there it is. I said it. I'm not ashamed to say it, to say it all right? To say it. I'm not ashamed to say it, all right? So um, a cool quote that I found today is, says this, guilt is a useless feeling. It's never enough to make you change direction, only enough to make you useless. Guilt is a useless feeling. It's never enough to make you change directions, only enough to make you feel useless. It's the great stop sign of the enemy. It's the great stop sign that the devil places in front of us. That every time we want to start making some headway and start changing direction and start really going hard after God, it's the big stop sign that says, wait a minute, you need to think about this because you don't nearly, we, we, all, we were all there when you looked at porn. We were all there when you slept with that girl. We were all there when you did this. You were all there when you lied to your parents. We were all there when you cheated on that test. We were all there when you stole that money. We were all there. We all remember. It's that voice in the back of your mind that says, this is all the stuff you've done, and this is exactly why you can't do what you want to do. It's a big stop sign of the enemy. So it doesn't, it's not enough to make you change directions, it's just enough to make you feel useless. So guilt, if you're taking notes, you need to write this down. Guilt will halt your life. Guilt will halt your life. It's that great stop sign that says, you better stop raising those hands because I know exactly who you are. It's that great stop sign that says, you don't need to go pray for that person because they don't want anything that you got. <laughs> See, it's that great, it's that stop sign, it's that reminder that says we aren't good enough. But I want to remind us today that Christ is enough to make us good enough. It's the voice inside of our mind that reminds us that we're not good enough, which is true. You aren't good enough. By yourself, you will never be good enough. But the good news is, is that Christ adopts us into his bloodline and into his repertoire of great things. And he says, you know what? You aren't good enough. But because of who I am and because of who, how great I am, you are now good enough because of me living inside of you. That's why we don't just die. That's why we don't just like step into this relationship with Jesus and nothing changes. That's why when we step into this relationship with Jesus, everything changes and we have to die to ourselves so that we can now live with Christ living through us. Because if we try to do this on our own, man, you're going to mess this thing up. But the good news is, is that Jesus died so that his spirit could be put inside of us so that now we are good enough. So if you are in a relationship with Jesus, let me give you some good news. You're good enough. I don't care what that voice says. I don't care how many times your parents have told you, how many times your girlfriend, boyfriend, exes, whatever. I don't care how many times your friends have told you you're a failure, you're a mess up, you're a screw up, you're a mistake. 
Let me just tell you something. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident, but your life has a purpose. Your life has a destiny, and you are good enough for it. You are good enough. You are good enough to be used by God. You are good enough to really change. You are good enough to really make a difference in this world. You are good enough. I don't care how many times people have told you that you're a mistake or that you'll never be this or that you'll never be that or you're only going to end up as good as your parents are. I don't, care what the, I don't care what the words are. The promise is still that you are good enough. The promise is still that your best days are ahead of you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you did it with. The good news is that Jesus is enough to overcome all of it. That's good news. Thank you, Jesus. That's good. I'm preaching a lot better than y'all are participating. I'll just tell y'all right now. Come on. Come on. All right. Let's keep going. All right. So Christ has come to free us from guilt and shame now and forever. Christ has come to free us from our guilt and shame for now, for right now, in this moment, until all of eternity. Christ has come to free you from all guilt and shame. So once we step into relationship with Jesus and repent of our sins, there are three major things that happen. Three major things. So if you're taking notes, there are three things that happen once we step into relationship with Jesus. Three things. Here we go. The first thing. These are just three things that I wrote down. There's a whole lot more than what happens. Like this is everything. All right. So first thing though is that our sins are thrown as far as east is from west. That's found in Psalms 103.12. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Psalms 103.12. That is huge. Okay, so here's the, here's the if you're like, well, that's not that far. All right. <laughs> if you were to go forever this way, and then go forever that way. It is an eternity difference. They will never find themselves. East never finds west. Which means that your sins, when we step into relationship with Jesus, all of your mistakes are thrown for an eternity away from the remembrance of Christ. That is good news. So that's the first thing that happens. The second thing that happens is we step into the words of Jesus's la- we step into Jesus's last words which are it is finished. Everybody say finished. finished. That's found in John chapter 19 verse 30. The last words of Jesus is that it is finished. What does that mean, Alex? That means that all of the sin all of your mistakes, all of your hang-ups, all of the yick in your life is finished. Finished forever. It's done. The work of the cross has been performed. It's done. It's finished. But how often do we ignore those words, not trying to do this? But when we step into guilt and remind ourselves of sin that Christ has already forgiven us from, what we've done is said that the cross is not big enough for me. Let me repeat that because that's big. When we step into guilt, and remind ourselves of sins that Christ has already forgiven us from, what we have done is said that the cross is not big enough for, my, for me. The cross is not big enough for my sins. But let me tell you something. The cross is big enough. That's why Jesus said it is finished. It's no more. 
It's like the final period. It's like the sentence is done. Like I'm moving on. We're going to new things. It's finished. All of the work of the cross is finished. It's done. It's already been done. And then number three, this is my favorite part, is that Christ was crucified before the foundations of the earth. That's found in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. So what that means is that when we step into relationship with Jesus is that we step in to an eternal truth. What is an eternal truth? That means that it's something that's been true from, like this verse says, before the foundations of the earth. What does that mean? That means before Jesus said, it, like, let there be light and let there be stars and let the earth and the earth was formed and all this stuff and the trees and the waters and fish and stuff. Yeah, for all that. That's what it's saying is that Christ was already crucified before the foundations of the earth. Now, Alex, how is that possible? He, would, he died like 2,000 years ago. Like, it's, he's real. Like, there, there's historical evidence of this. Yes, that is true. But the good news is, is that Jesus' death was not just for us now, but it was enough for all of eternity, meaning frontwards and backwards, that all the sins that were, that were committed before the cross, that Christ died for those too, for the people that were pushing their sins forward. When people made sacrifices back in the Old Testament, this is a little history lesson for you. Um, in the Old Testament, when they were, when they were, when they were sacrificing um, animals and stuff, what it was doing was it was push, pushing their sins forward. It was pushing their sins towards the Messiah. Meaning that when Jesus came, he took all the sins of not only our sins, he took the sins of everyone that was pushing them forward and now us. And so what we are doing is, is the cross was enough for Adam as much as the cross is enough for me. That's crazy. That's big news. Why is that big news? Because when we step into relationship with Jesus, the it is finished is not just a promise for now. It's a promise that has been a promise for eternity, meaning the weight of that promise is heavier. Now, why is this important? Why is it important that there is a heavy weight of this truth? Is because guilt is a momentary lie going up against an eternal truth. If you didn't write that down, you need to write that down. Guilt is a momentary lie going against an eternal truth. Meaning that our, when, we, when we have that guilty conscience and we buy into it and we say, you know what, yeah, I probably shouldn't raise my hands in this worship set because of that thing I did five years ago, which is crazy to me that we can still get caught up in that. But I'm just as guilty. I've had those same moments where I'm just like, I can't really engage into what God's doing right now because of what I've done. Like, I, I, I'm not good enough. But the truth is, is that we are good enough. And that promise has been promised to us for an eternity. And so the weight of that, it's like having, it's like having the skyscraper of who we are in Christ versus the cockroach of the lie of our guilt. And we're like saying, which one's heavier? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but so often we, get, we, we look at this like itty bitty little thing of guilt and we're saying, well, I'm so sorry, I can't crush you because this isn't enough for me. When Jesus is saying, how, what is, what is happening right now? 
I've done so much for you. How, how could you not accept this? How could you look back at what I've already conquered? What I don't even remember anymore because the Bible says that he threw it as far as east is from west. When the things that you are trying to ask God for forgiveness for, that you're pulling back out of your past, he's like, why are you even asking forgiveness for this? I've already forgave this. I don't even know what you're talking about anymore. We've already moved past this. This is old news. I'm not, I don't want to, I can't forgive you for something again that I've already forgiven you for. So why are you drowning in guilt for something that I've already paid the price for, that we've already, that you've already asked for forgiveness for? Why are you, why are you still stuck on this thing? Why are we still stuck on this thing? See, the thing, um, when you look at um, the book of Leviticus, I'm pulling something way out. This is kind of obscure. This is cool. This is God showed me this today. I'm super excited about it. So I'm, just, I'm just excited. All right, so let me just tell you. All right, so there's this thing called a guilt offering, all right? And so um, this is a type of sacrifice found in Leviticus chapter 7. All right, now, certain um, types of burnt offerings, they're, um, you, you can't do certain things with other things, which is weird, like, I didn't know it. Like most of the burnt offerings, like the animal is skinned, which is kind of gross. Like that's gross. Like no skin, and then they burn it. Like, weird. All right. So, um, but um, with a guilt offering, the animal's skinned, and then they burn some organs and some fats and stuff, which is all gross. And I don't want to talk about that. But what I want to talk about is that at the end of the guilt offering, there is an opportunity for the priest to be able to keep the hide of that animal. And this is something that is not every single type of offering you get to keep the hide. And this is cool for me because um, there's evidence to the sacrifice that was made. There's long-lasting evidence. There's something that you can point to, the hide of the animal, to say the sacrifice was made. I can look at this. This is tangible evidence for the sacrifice that I made. Why would God give us that for a guilt offering? Because guilt will always try and come back and say you're still in the wrong from what Jesus has already given you freedom over. Which means that we need to have, like, we, we, like what's so cool about this is God gave them the opportunity to say, you can look at this hide whenever that guilt tries to come back into your mind. And you can point at the hide and say, no, the hide is the evidence of the, of the price that I paid. So I don't have to deal with this guilt anymore. The guilt has already been conquered and I have the evidence to prove it. Now, here's the deal is that we have the evidence. The evidence is the cross. Every little cross that you see, every little cross necklace, every cross on a t-shirt, every cross that you see on the top of a church building is evidence that points to the fact that your guilt has already been conquered, that you, that whenever you're pulling stuff out of the past that you can just look at a cross and say no guilt you can't say this anymore you can't lie to me anymore like you have been because the cross has already conquered it the cross is already enough you can't stop you gotta quit lying to me because I know it's a lie this time because I'm good I'm choosing not to listen to you I'm choosing to listen to the cross that is already always pleading for me the cross that is always on my side the cross that, that pleads and pours out forgiveness for me that's what I choose to look to. 
See, guilt is what we, what so often we do is we forget to look at the evidence of our forgiveness. We forget to look at the price that was paid. We forget to look back to what the freedom bought for us and what it, what it cost Jesus. It cost him 39 stripes on his back. It cost him two nails in each hand. It cost him nails through his feet. It cost him his life. It cost him the crown of thorns on his head. And what I'm not willing to do is I'm not willing to listen to a lie that's going up against the life and the price of my Savior. Amen. It's too much. It costs too much for me to listen to the lie. See, guilt is a lie that we've been set free from. The only problem is that we have to remind ourselves of the truth because the truth is so good that we often forget that it's real. Have you ever had something happen in your life that's like, when you look back at it, you're like, did that really happen? <laughs> I don't know. I think that happened. I don't, I don't know. See, in the Old Testament, the children of Israel would often build monuments and, um, out of stones. And it's a place for them to look back to say, this is what Jesus did. This is the evidence for what Jesus did in my life. So many of you guys, your life is the testament to what Jesus has done. The fact that you're still here. The fact that suicide didn't come in and steal you too quick is a testament to the truth of the cross. The fact that so many of you guys are not addicted to the drugs that you tried for the first time, that is such a testament to the love of Jesus. I know so many of my guys have screwed around with so much crap. And man, guys, let me just tell you, if you go to my church, and if you've ever dealt with drugs in, the, in this room, let me tell you, the fact that you're not addicted to that and it's not ruling your life is a testament. And that is a reminder to you that Jesus has a plan for your life. So many of you guys, your parents are being overthrown. Their lives are a wreck because of drugs and alcohol because of addictions in their life. The fact that you don't have that is a testament to the miracle that Jesus has in your life. The plan that he has for you. See, the reality of things begin to fade after time. And so many of us have forgotten of the price and of the forgiveness that we received at the beginning. Because the reality has faded. Because it's been some time. And I've, and I've gone through some stuff. And God, it doesn't seem like you're always there. And God, it doesn't seem like my prayers are always answered. But let me just remind you. When God seems like he's not there, you just need to remind yourself of the moments he was there. When it seems like God is distant, you need to remind yourself of the times that he's been closer than a brother. 
So often, we remind ourselves of the wrong things. We remind ourselves of the mistakes. We remind ourselves of the faults. We remind ourselves of the lonely times. We remind ourselves of the wrong things instead of looking back to our past and saying, Jesus, look at what you did here. And God, I'm so thankful that I'm alive because of this thing that you brought me through. And God, what if you didn't do this in my life? And God, what if this wouldn't have happened? And God, what if my parents would have had this happen? See, so many things we don't even know to praise God for because it's just a reality that we are just born into because God saved you from a car accident that you didn't even know was going to happen. See, God has been, what, what about the times? How, when was the last time you praised God for the things that you never saw any little glimpse of but he saved you from? See, God has been so good to us. And it's about time we start to remind ourselves of the good things. See, See, we need something to point back to. We need that hide on our wall. We need to point back to the cross that says the price has been paid. The sacrifice has been made. See, we need something to point back to, to shove in the face of guilt and shame, to say, no, I'm not who I used to be. I am not my mistakes. I am not my failures. I am not my inabilities. I am not my insecurities. I am not those things, but instead I am am forgiven. I am a new creation. I am whole. I am able. I am perfectly and wonderfully made. I do have a purpose. I do have a destiny. Instead of pointing back and saying it, looking at all the things that God, the, 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 the things that you get caught up and hung up on, it's about time we start looking ahead and start saying, God, you do have a plan. You do have a purpose. There is greater things ahead of me. See, while your guilt is reminding you of your failures, remind your guilt of the victory that we have in Jesus. I'm going to say that again because that is good. That is good. That's good right there. I don't know about y'all, but that's good for me. While, while your guilt is reminding you of your failures, remind your guilt of the victory that we have in Jesus. Because, yeah, devil, you can remind me all day long of how much of a screw-up I am. But the good news is that because I'm a screw-up, that means that I'm in need of a Savior. And that Savior has already come. He's already come for me. See, when guilt comes in the room with all of its reminders, we need to remind it that it's trespassing on blood-bought territory. When guilt comes in the room with all of its reminders, we need to remind it that it's trespassing on blood-bought territory. You are trespassing. Get out of my mind. This mind has been, re been renewed with the mind of Christ. You have to get out of here. You cannot lie to me. You do not have the authority to lie to me. I'm not just some random little person anymore. I am now a child of the king. You have no right here. It's about time. We start getting fed up with the enemy. To the point to whenever he tries to lie to us, that we start throwing back in its face scriptures after scripture after scripture. If you were defeated here, and you were defeated here, and you were defeated here, and you've been defeated here, and you've been defeated here, and even that thing you reminded me of, you were already defeated there too. Oh, man. Thank you, Jesus. See, the cross... Has, only set us, has not only set us free from guilt, but takes away the power it has on our life. It has rendered it useless. And so while guilt might render us useless, the cross has rendered guilt useless.
That's good news. Now, see, I don't know necessarily why God wanted us to speak about guilt, but I know that he did want us to. The way I know that is because he had Taylor pick Final Word, or whoever picks the songs here. I'm assuming it's Taylor. I don't know. Pastor Jonathan, whoever. Okay, it's him. <laughs> but that song, Final Word, that is like it. That whenever your guilt tries to come in, that the final word of the cross says, no, it's not, that's not, the, the guilt, the shame, the sin in your life is not the final word. It's already been conquered by Jesus. The cross has the final word. And then Pastor Jonathan coming up and his little five minute word from heaven. Good God. I was so nervous. I was like, I don't have anything to preach about no more. This is so good. I should just go. We should all go home after that. That was good. That was, that was a good word. But more than anything, I know that Christ wants us to talk about guilt tonight because it's something that no matter where you're at in your spiritual walk with God is still a struggle. I don't care if you just now got saved, like two weeks ago, a week ago, maybe yesterday. Maybe tonight you'll get saved. Maybe tonight you'll say yes to Jesus. I hope you do. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I really hope you do decide to make that decision because he can really, for real, silence all those voices in your head that try and lie to you about how you're a failure. I promise you, he has got, he is the best thing going. It is the best deal out there. It is better than anything going because it's too good to be true. And it really is. So I hope that if you're in here tonight and you don't know Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior, I hope you make that decision. But even if you've been serving Jesus for like, well, my Pastor Jonathan over here has been serving Jesus for 20 years in youth ministry. That's craziness. Guilt will still be an issue. And so what I want us to do tonight is I just want to give you a quick little prayer that you can pray. Now, you can go off this prayer and you can pray some Holy Ghost fire down if you want to do that too. That's great. That's great. But I know a lot of times whenever I feel guilty, it takes so much for me to even pray. Because it's, <laughs> why should I talk to the God of the universe when I'm dealing with this thing? So the first thing to do when you're feeling guilty is check yourself. Did I ask for forgiveness from this? Is this guilt or is this conviction? Because those are two different things. If it's conviction, then heck yeah, that is not, that is not the enemy. That is, the, that is God calling you to repentance, saying, you're straying off the path. It's time to line up. It's time to get back on the straight. It's time to go towards me now. If that's the case, then that's a really simple prayer. That's just saying, Jesus, I messed up. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And that's it. And the cool thing is, is that as soon as you say that, that means the east from the west thing, though, it happens right then, right then and there. Like, it's, it's the real deal. It's not some huge prayer or not some, like, you have to be crying or something. Because the cool thing is it's not based on your effort to feel sorry. It's based on the effort that Jesus made on the cross. So it's a simple prayer. And then little things just go <laughs> and fly away. <laughs> and that's good news. But if it is guilt, really simply, um, in James 4, 7, it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And so all we need to do is just say, God, forgive me, Lord, for having these terrible thoughts. And then you just say, and in the name of Jesus, all guilt 
get out of my life in the name of Jesus. And then this is the weird, this is where it kind of gets weird for me sometimes, but it's not weird, I promise. All you're going to do is you're just going to, this is just something that my apostle taught me. And all you're going to do is take a big, deep breath and just go. And all that does is uh, is just a mental thing for me is it just, I'm breathing in Jesus and I'm breathing out the enemy. And so um, I just want to do that real quick. And so all I want us to do real quick is it's going to be super simple. And it's, it's going to, I'm telling you, this will change your life. If you just, if you implement this, when you, when that guilty voice starts coming back in the back of your mind and you start like feeling bad, like if you just make this quick little prayer, I promise you, it just changes the thing. It just changes your mindset because what it does is it takes your, your, takes your focus off of the sin and it pushes your focus on Jesus.